0: And
1: welcome to the Bleacher Connection with your host, Ken and Trevor, a part of Unhinged Radio, powered by Belly Up Sports. Make sure you follow them at, on Twitter, at Radio Unhinged, and at Belly Up Sports, to find out about all the great podcasts that are on the network, as well as on Unhinged Radio. As always, you can find us on social media, on Twitter, Trevor is at TheBleacherCon1, and I'm at TheBleacherCon2. We have our Facebook page, The Bleacher Connection Podcast. As always, if you go to our Twitter bios, or our Facebook page, you can find our link trees and other links for our partners such as Dr. Squatch, All Natural Soap for Men, as well as the Bleacher Connection merch page. Trevor, how are you doing?
0: I'm doing good tonight, Ken. How are you doing?
1: Not too bad. Just got back a few days ago from a nice little vacation where I was out in the lower mainland in BC for my brother Chris and new sister-in-law Caitlin's wedding, so it was quite a good time. Had a lot of fun. Fun at their wedding and fun seeing uh, family and a few others while I was there.
0: Yeah, and I saw the to post a couple of pictures of a few adult beverages as well. Uh, looked like you uh, had more than uh, one or two of those on uh, any given night. Good, good time back home with the family and friends. Wedding was good. Everything was, was, was kosher for you guys.
1: Oh, yeah, it, it was great. Uh, it, was, it was really fun getting to see everyone and spend some time. And uh, the wedding was really good. It was, it was not looking so great with the weather. That uh, looked like it was calling for rain. And the ceremony was supposed to be outside on the, uh, of the Burnaby Mountain Golf Course. And it didn't look too good. But uh, the weather did hold off. And the wedding was able to go on outside with no rain, which is perfect. And uh, we actually, the nice part about it, because with the restrictions, couldn't dance inside. It rained after the ceremony, after pictures were taken through dinner, but then stopped, so we were able to open up and get some dancing and a and a party. A party took place, I should say. So it was that's, a lot of fun.
0: That's awesome. I, I want to congratulate uh, Chris and Caitlin as well. Um, I know there was one video posted that included Ken doing a little bit of dancing. Um, if you're followers of us, I don't recommend looking that one up. Uh, you may never want to watch people dance again in your lives.
1: Hey, and I will I am, uh, I am the sad am thing is I don't think
0: there'd been any white claw or uh, any of the white claws yet either. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the white claws had not come out before that dancing. So yeah, it uh it was a lot of fun. They it was a great, I think they had a great time. Uh they both looked really good. It was uh it was, it was a lot of fun and you could tell how happy they were and they, they waited a long time to get this, get this day because it was supposed to happen last September and because everything got shut down, they had to do it uh, a year later, but nonetheless, uh, I have a new sister-in-law and uh, they're off enjoying their honeymoon right now.
0: Uh, it's great. Well, congrats to you to you and your family and uh, nothing but best wishes to Chris and Caitlin. Uh, Now moving on to our show for the day and Ken I'm not going to lie this is kind of going to be a little bit different than what we do we don't actually have any like major topic there's just so many kind of little things that have happened in the last I don't know week and even in the last 24 hours that Ken and I just really felt like needed to do a bit of a hodgepodge potpourri show here so we're really going to just dive into and give our takes on a bunch of little things that have come up in sports and I'm actually really looking forward to it. I think it's going to be something a little bit different. It's almost back to an are you kidding me type episode. So I'm, I'm really jacked on this. Ken, why don't we get started right away here? What, what's the first topic that you really want to talk about? I think it's the same as me. And it's some news that came out of the hockey world today. But I'm going to let you, you jump in.
1: Yeah, when you brought up are you kidding me, this is a definite <laughs> are you kidding me? Peter Cirelli has a job in the NHL again with the St. Louis blues as vice president of hockey operations. Uh, why, why this guy absolutely decimated even more so the Edmonton Oilers in his time here. Couldn't get it done with the best player in the league, potentially the world right now and Connor McDavid, He couldn't build a winner around him. What are they expecting in St. Louis? Did he manage to take some of what was in the water in Edmonton and put it in St. Louis, Trevor, to get this job? Because I don't understand how he's back in the NHL in such a high role.
0: Well, I'm going to kind of preface that. I don't know that it's actually such a high role because it's, it's VP of hockey operations is not president of hockey operations. So He still reports to somebody. I look at this as more of, I think it's just an advisory role. And here's my rationale behind it. I think the St. Louis blues are looking for a little reverse psychology here. And they're going to go to Peter Shirelli and they're going to say, Peter, what's your thoughts on this? And anybody that he gives the thumbs up to they're going to run away from, I think it's totally all about reverse psychology and, really is there another reason i get the guy has a ton of nhl executive experience that he does boston edmonton he knows the ropes of the nhl he knows well i think he knows how a salary cap works i'm not so sure if that miko koskin in contract but he does understand how hockey operations work he understands the salary cap world i just really Really hope he's not going to have. Well, I kind of do actually, because the Blues are at our our conference. I hope he doesn't have too much say over actual hockey personnel, and that he's more there for his experience, uh, knowing how the the inner workings work.
1: Well, he's taking over for Dave Taylor, who was promoted to senior advisor under President of Hockey Operations and GM Doug Armstrong. The Blues also brought back Ken Hitchcock to serve as a Another advisor. Yeah. So how many advisors do you need? How many advisors and consultants do you need on this team telling you what to do? Again, it, it kind of seems like, especially with Hitchcock, the old boys club. Right. Well, I, you're I just... almost
0: taking that whole Edmonton Oilers 20, what, 17-ish you kind of just transplanted that into the St. Louis blues organization. And last time I checked that didn't work out so well.
1: No. So very interesting, very, are you kidding me? Like these, this bit of a head scratcher move, in my opinion, for bringing back Peter Chiarelli. I mean, he was with the blues. They promoted him. They didn't go outside higher, but they promoted him to vice president of hockey ops. So,
0: I got sent this. I got sent this from Tim in Calgary. He, he actually sent me a text saying, Ha, Shirelli's back. And, and I honestly didn't believe it. And I, I immediately got on Twitter. I couldn't find it. I couldn't find it. And I'm like, I was totally just pulling my leg. And then I actually came across it and I was like, wow. I was, I'm not surprised he got hired again in the NHL. The NHL's always been an old boys club. I just, it didn't end well in Edmonton. And I think even Weathers fans would agree with that. And most common, and most hockey fans would. So the fact that he's back in the NHL doesn't surprise me, but the fact that he's in player personnel does surprise me.
1: Yeah. You sent it to me. And I, after I stopped laughing for about five, 10 minutes, I then went and actually saw the press release and yeah, it's okay. true. Sure. It's legit. Sure. I mean, he and, Jordan Bennington can get along great maybe maybe Bennington wished he didn't sign that contract yet because Shirelli probably would have given him 30 million a season
0: (laughs) well the first thing that caught my eye this week was kind of an an odd saga that that happened between the Toronto Blue Jays and the the Tampa Bay Rays this in their three-game set and in game one there was an incident where Kevin Kiermaier kind of slid into home, got tagged out and a, and a player card came out of, uh, I believe it was either Jensen or was it Alejandro Kirk? I can't remember it was who Kirk. was catching. It was Kirk. Kirk. Was catching. A, a, a card came out of his wrist and, and you could see Kiermaier saw it. And he kind of looked around and he was is anybody going to see me take this? And, and he took the card, and everybody saw him do it. And this card was vital information. And, First of all, my are-you-kidding-me moment is the Toronto Blue Jays kind of underwhelmingly underreacted to this by sending the bat boy to go and ask for it back, and Tampa pretty much said no. and They're in their right too, I guess. There was kind of some bad blood after the game where the Blue Jays were like, okay, enough's enough, ha-ha, give it back. They didn't. Well, that boiled over in game three of – The series when uh, Kiermaier got plunked in the bottom of the eighth of a blow. The Tampa was up, I believe, 7-1 at the time. You knew it was coming. You just knew it was coming. And i got to look at this now on the Tampa Bay side of, like, you let this happen. Toronto should have been, you know, stronger in the beginning on it. Tampa, you let this happen apparently uh, the manager, his name's escaping right now. Kevin Cash. Um, Kevin Cash. Yeah, totally. He he apologized, supposedly, but too little, too late. Well, Kiermaier got plunked, and I'm sorry, this was kind of on Tampa. And I know they were fuming mad about it. Really, had you just given the card back in the first place, this wouldn't have happened. I'm trying not to have my Homer glasses on here. It boiled over, and it's uh, – It led to Kiermaier needlessly getting plunked, but I think rightfully so getting plunked in the unwritten rules of baseball.
1: Well, I don't have my Homer glasses on and I don't put it on Tampa Bay. I think if you're going to have those cards on you as a player, whether you're a catcher, you're at the plate, batting, you're in the field, if you're going to carry that around with you, you better damn well protect it and make sure you don't leave it around. Sorry, but if you drop it and they grab it, that's on you. That's on Kirk for not making sure he had it secured or the trainer or whoever gave it to him, whatever it was. It's on them for not protecting that better, right? I get it. Every player now, whether they're a right fielder, catcher, first baseman, doesn't matter. They all have it. They all look at it to know, what's going on. Sure, it makes the game a lot easier. You know that, you know, Kiermaier likes to swing heavy on a pitch high and away. Sure, whatever. You get that. You know their tendency of a player to swing first pitch. Well, if you watch enough of Bo Bichette, you don't need a card to say that. You just know that's what he's going to do. So I get it. Th- those are pertinent information to the game on whether how that pitcher is going to pitch, potential signals for that pitcher, everything. It's on the team, the player to protect that. I don't blame Tampa. I don't blame Kiermaier for picking it up. Now, if I really don't either. Wanted,
0: I the initial when they picked it up, I don't blame them for that at all. And again, like I said, I kind of blame Toronto for having been so passive aggressive about it. But well, that was on Montoya Tampa. Let thinking, it fester when they didn't need to.
1: Well, that that's on Montoya for thinking his twenty two years of being in the Rays organization and having these guys as friends. No, sorry. You're trying to win a game. You're trying to win a series. Tampa Bay clinched a playoff spot this series. That's what they're trying to do. And if having an upper hand of this isn't videotaping the Blue Jays signals. This isn't videotaping anything. This isn't the Astros banging on a trash can. This is you were careless with your game plan. We're going to use it and up yours. It's not our fault. So I, I think that the plunking was their own. If Montoya really wanted it back, he should have crossed the diamonds yes, with an umpire yes. and got it back himself. I instead 100% of sending, I
0: agree with that.
1: Instead of sending some what eighteen year old kid that twelve year old kid, yeah, that lives in Tampa, works for the Rays to go. Can I please get the Toronto Blue Jays card back, guys? Piss please. off, kid. Yeah. Okay. Right. Like that's not his job. You're the manager. Go get it. Do your job. Right? I'm sorry. But after Barucky gets plunked, uh, Pete Walker is the one who's fired up. Charlie Montoya. ever? Charlie Montoya's out there. Come on, guys. we okay. bongo drums. Yeah, like, <laughs> such a lackluster, piss-poor
0: manager. I'm sorry. But this... Uh, well, I didn't realize I'm, we were going down the Charlie Montoya hate <laughs> train here. When... Well for everything that he's done
1: well, he turns around in a day and can sink it real quick. I still, despite how the Jays are doing, do not have faith in Charlie Montoyo at all. And I would almost say in spite of him, the Jays are in it. But
0: Well, if anything, this, this little uh, skirmish definitely brings a lot more intrigue. If Tampa Bay and Toronto end up meeting up in the playoffs, there absolutely. is some bad blood there. And, you almost want to see it now, so there's a, that's going to be an underlying story we're going to have to watch in the coming weeks. Uh, Ken, what's, what's next on your list that you really wanted to talk about tonight? Well, we've
1: talked about him a few times before, and, well, more news came out today, so let's talk about Evander Kane again. So I, I guess if you're Evander Kane, today is a good day, bad day, depending on which news cycle you're watching and what you want to take in as the the big win. Well, Vander Kane has been cleared by the NHL on betting on his own games or the league in general. So for him, that piece is done, I guess. So the accusations that came from his wife were not found to be true. So for him, that's good because you don't want someone in the league betting on their own games and potentially throwing games. Don't want that. Now, though, he's being investigated by the NHL and I think others for new allegations. Won't get into it because we could just go down this rabbit hole for an hour and a half, three hours. But at a certain point, Trevor, does the league need to say to Evander Kane, you just need to sit this out for a little while? And you either give the Sharks cap relief or you say, you know what? Your problem, still a cap hit, but he's not playing.
0: They almost need to take the lead lead of major league baseball in with Trevor Bauer, how they just kind of put him on administrative leave and he's not coming back. And rightfully so, I'm by no means supporting the Trevor Bauer, because that's just it's again, we need another three hours to talk about that asshole. But the league, the way the MLB handled it compared to how the NHL is handling it, I think it is time that they just kind of say, you know. Maybe until we get this sorted out, it's best you're not around. And I don't give a crap about the salary cap. They should be charged the penalty, charged for it no matter what. Like they, they, they're the ones who signed them. You, you know, do your character due diligence on people first. Maybe before you are willing to sign them to forty nine million dollar contracts. But yes, Evander Kane. Until he gets it, and I feel someone do feel bad for Evander Kane. He's got a troubled life. There's something wrong. So, you know what, I think the NHL needs to say, Evander, it's time to step aside. It's time to get your, your S figured out and let's, you know, personally, professionally get your act together. And if you can't, then don't worry about coming back either. So, I'm tired of having to listen to something different about Evander Kane. But I also hope Evander Kane does choose to help himself in some manner and potentially seek the help he needs and because he clearly needs it.
1: Yeah, it, you know, it, we might get to this time dependent, but the Canucks did something similar when with Jake Furtanen. when his issues came out. They just said, "Okay, you know what? You just we're not going to play you. You just go sit yeah, on the just sidelines. Just go away. Just go away. Yeah, go away. Once this is figured out, we'll see where we're at." But it came to the end of the season, they bought him out. Now a Jake Furtanen buyout versus a Evander Kane buyout is two different things. You're talking. Mill and a half, half a million versus the money he's making in San Jose for Evander Kane. I think baseball does do it a little bit, right? We're like, okay, you're under investigation for something. Go sit this one out. And I think that, I mean, they get paid. Do they not still? It's not unpaid.
0: They're yeah. I don't think it's unpaid. Leave. I don't think it's unpaid.
1: So, right. Cause again, innocent until proven guilty. So you got to figure it out. So. Figure it out, but go, uh, go away. Stop being the focal point for the San Jose Sharks and the NHL in a negative light, day in day out.
0: And it's clearly Take taking a toll on his teammates as well, because they're kind of like get him out of here too. So yeah, it, it's just it, it, the situation needs to kind of have him out of the limelight. Let's resolve it, however that is. Let's get it resolved. Let's get him out of the limelight and move on. So. With that, I'm going to move on from a banner Kane because I just I'm tired of them. And I kind of want to look at the kind of the similar, very similar situations, is kind of the the proper way to handle it and the not so proper way to handle it. And I'm talking about the Columbus Blue Jackets and the Detroit Red Wings and unvaccinated players, coaches, and such. Uh news came out of the Red Wings organization that Tyler Bertuzzi is unvaccinated. The Detroit Red Wings have more or less said, OK, guess you're not playing the games in Canada. OK, the Columbus Blue Jackets, on the other hand, had Zach Rinaldo and he came out as anti-vaccination and they just said, OK, go away. You're not even coming to training camp. Shortly after, one of their coaches, assistant coaches got fired for refusing to get vaccinated. OK, go away. We don't need you. It's about player safety. Good on you, Columbus Blue Jackets. Hooray. You deserve a standing ovation. You're doing the right thing. The Detroit Red Wings, are you kidding me? Tyler Bertuzzi, are you kidding me? I'm not even going to go to the vaccinated unvaccinated discussion because I'm so goddamn tired of that. And you guys are all a bunch of just pricks. That's all I'm going to say. Tyler Bertuzzi, you're letting your teammates down. You're only going to be able to play in, let's say, 65 of the 82 games. If you're good enough for that, Maybe that's another story. Sixty-five ish of the eighty-two games, you're not going to you're not going to be able to play in Canada. You're letting your teammates down. How can you seriously say, "Yeah, guy, let's let's go to war together in the USA"? I'm sorry, I this one rubs me the wrong way. I don't I don't like what the Detroit Red Wings have done here. But I on the on the other hand, the Columbus Blue Jackets standing ovation. Yeah, I
1: mean. Tyler Bertuzzi has the right to not get vaccinated. Absolutely. Rightly or wrongly, his choice. I mean, you and I are both vaccinated. You and I both are, you know, believers that that's how we should go about it. We live in a province that by now I think should be full. Every ICU bed is full because people don't want to get vaccinated. So just for the sake of, you know, helping out and others as a teammate, I would be pissed off if that was the case where, yeah, I'm willing to fight with you guys, like you say, but well, I guess I can't go to Canada. So later, eh, it it just, it's, it's such a backwards thought process. Now, Tyler, the difference between Tyler Bertuzzi and Zach Ronaldo is Zach Ronaldo was on a two-way contract for league minimum. Now, he's not getting the invite to the blue jackets camp. Well, he's not going to get the invite to the AHL camp either because they're in the same boat where they yeah. want all their players vaccinated. So Zach Ronaldo, your career is done because you weren't willing to get one more shot than you took last year on net to play hockey. You're not going to play hockey. Your career is essentially done. Uh, I mean, maybe you can get on with one of the Florida teams. Cause I know, You know, vaccination anything goes in Florida, but you've pretty much sank your your career right now. And I mean, the Canucks are a shining example of what happened to a team last year at the end there, where how much it just killed the team. And they took almost everybody, there was only, I think, one or two players that didn't get it. And it spread so quick. Now, if you are vaccinated, it doesn't mean you're not going to get it, it just means you're not going to get it as bad. You can still get it. You can still get sick, but the idea is you're not gonna, it's going to help you. I think it's selfish. That's my take on it. And I agree. I think the Blue Jackets said, fine, you guys don't want to do it, then we don't want you to be part of it. And that is the team's decision. That is their right to choose who they have under their employment. Now, if you don't want to meet their standards and their expectations, that's fine. You don't have to. They don't have to keep you around.
0: I also want to take this conversation to a bit of a local flavor as well. And as being a uh, season ticket holder of the Calgary Stampeders, we were actually sent today the Calgary Sports and Entertainment Group's COVID-19 vaccination uh, uh, regulations for entering McMahon Stadium. And they're actually going to be the same for the Calgary Flames. And the reason I bring the Flames into this is there was a player with the Flames, Tyler Parsons, who for mysterious reasons now was not invited to training camp. We all know why, but I want to go kind of on the tangent of the local flavor. I got the COVID restrictions essentially for going to games and it was announced a long time ago. You had to be double vaccinated. I was expecting there to be loopholes. I do live in Alberta. There there appears to be loopholes to everything. Bravo to Calgary Sports and Entertainment Group who pretty much made it impossible for there to be loopholes. Unless you're double vaccinated and prove it at every game, you cannot get in. You cannot get in with a negative COVID test within the last 72 hours. Nah, doesn't cut it. Has to be double vaccination. If you have an exemption to the vaccination, you still then have to prove a false COVID test within the last 48 hours. To me, this is, this is outstanding. They're making it almost next to impossible to get into that building unless you're double vaccinated second standing ovation to, and I hope every team is like this in the Canadian football league and the NHL across Canada. Cause bravo. I was, as a season ticket holder, I was very relieved to know that the chances of sitting in that facility with my children and being exposed to potentially COVID was very low. So bravo. Well, that's the whole reason
1: that people should be out there getting their vaccinations, so that we can try and get back to as normal as we can get because it's not going away, but we need to try and do something to get back to normal. Like in our province again here, Trevor, we've got restaurants and stores and bars and things close to shutting down because we're in such a bad state and all that all you gotta do is just get a couple shots. Yeah, and it goes away. right? I and, saw and-
0: I saw a post on Twitter from actually, and I believe she's in Edmonton who she's a, a waitress and she she kind of jokingly had to refer to herself as a police officer these past couple of weeks or weeks, sorry days, as the vaccination, I guess passports have come into play in the restaurants. And to me, uh, like, I just feel so bad for these people. It's we're in a terrible way in this province and it's very disappointing. And now some of the frontline workers who've had it hard are now even are getting attacked for stuff. That's not even their fault. And I just, I feel so bad for these people. I really, yeah, like
1: they're, they're not the ones that are putting these policies in place. They have to enforce them because the, our government in Alberta took so long to do anything about it. And waited till the point where we were 10 days away from full ICU beds to actually put something in place. We had to have the stampede. We had to be open for stampede. And look where we're at now. It's such a joke.
0: And waited till the day after the federal election to ask for federal help. Yeah. And that's and, the state of affairs in Alberta if, if you're really unknowing to uh, what we are dealing with here.
1: Yeah. And, and for those out there that don't agree with the facts, I mean, I was just in BC and I had to show uh my my paperwork saying i was vaccinated when we went to restaurants or went into certain places i don't care that's why i got the shots so that i could go to those places and do that kind of stuff at my brother's wedding everybody had to show that they were vaccinated right like again this is what's happening and don't i'm going to say this right now if you're one of those people that want to go there and want to say how much bs that there is that you have to show a piece of paper or show a, a saved picture on your phone to say that you've been vaccinated. Don't take it out on the poor people making, you know, 15, $16 an hour waiting on you at a restaurant or at a store. It's not their fault. Leave them alone. Don't be an asshole.
0: And to those assholes who decide they need to protest at hospitals and schools, there's a special place in hell for you people.
1: I'm not going to lie. When I went down to the Canucks store on, uh, on the one day we drove down and yelled at people that were actually doing that. So
0: it's ridiculous. Well, a little off topic there, Ken, but you know what needed said, both you and I have been wanting to say that for a while. Where do you want to take this next? Well, we already talked about the Jays a little bit, but let's talk about the Jays, Yankees,
1: and uh, Red Sox in this crazy wild card race. There's a separation in the AL now between three teams and the rest in the wildcard. And coming down to the finish, yeah, it uh, it's close, that's for sure.
0: Uh, and close is an understatement. That this is flip flopping daily. Where yeah. three days ago, I believe the Toronto Blue Jays were first in the wild card race and up a game on everybody, to now being a couple games back and potentially out. And New York couldn't win a game. Now they can't lose a game. Boston. Couldn't win a game. Now they can't lose a game. The Jays have won 17 of 22 games to get back in the race. You've got three teams that might finish 20 games over 500, all of them. And one of them might miss the playoffs. This is
1: insane. Right now.
0: And they're not even the best team in the division.
1: No, not right now. This is what's funny about it is there is five teams in the AL East. Four of them are in a playoff spot. The only, the only ones that are not are the decrepit and horrible Baltimore Orioles. First off, I want to go on a little bit of a, a, a side tangent here with the Baltimore Orioles. I'm sorry.
0: Yeah. This needs said to, What
1: I can't remember was like his last name is Hyde, the manager of the Baltimore Orioles. When you're Yeah. When your team has only won 48 games and you've lost 103 so far, don't go yelling at a starting pitcher that's six games over 500, something you've never seen in the last two years. Um, maybe just shut up, play out the season, and get fired. Like Because right now, I don't care how that game went. You look dumb yelling at a Cy Young candidate when your team is 45 games back of first. You Just, dude, play out the season. Let it ride out. Take whatever they're going to give you for if you get severance or not. I don't know. But you looked dumb yelling at a Cy Young
0: candidate. You looked even dumber when your team gave up 44 runs in three games. Yeah. I think the Jays bats let let the talking be done. And Hyde shut the hell up after that. It was beautiful. Beautiful. Thank you for bringing that up, Ken. He
1: should have stopped talking about midseason. But that's just one, you know the Orioles are the the laughing stock of major league baseball and Hyde, You didn't do yourself any favors. You didn't, it wasn't a good look for you, bud. But I said, I should say a three team race between Boston who's two games up on the Yankees and the Jays who, who have identical 85 and 67 records right now. Uh, I was looking at a different number. The A's and the Mariners are still two and a half games back. This is the Indians are 10. So call it them. you got, Three teams that are absolutely in the hunt, trying to one-up each other nightly, and you still have Oakland and Seattle waiting in the wings for one of those three teams to slip up and for them to get in there. The, like you said, the Red Sox have won six games to get that two-game lead. The Yankees are two wins in a row. The Jays are one loss in a row. But seven and three, six and four, six and four. You and I spoke a while ago, and when the Jays... We said
0: the Jays were done.
1: We said they were done. There was no chance in hell because they were how how poorly they were playing and they've made us look stupid. And I'm okay with that as a Jays fan, because they're in the playoff hunt right now.
0: Miraculously. They're in the playoff hunt. They're winning 17 to 22 games. I think it was swept the Yankees in a four game series, swept the Oakland athletics took two or three from Tampa. They took two or three from Boston in there. It, unbelievable exciting times! to be a blue jays fan i'm gonna handicap it a little bit ken who do you think who do you think's actually going to make it i got to give a leg up to the toronto blue jays over the new york yankees strictly strength of schedule unless new york somehow comes in and wins that series in toronto and sweeps us next week i gotta believe toronto's probably going to get in because new york is finishing with boston tampa bay toronto Toronto's finishing with Minnesota, Baltimore, and New York. I'm sorry. I, I'm going to take the Jays' schedule there. If I'm handicapping it, I think the Jays are going to make it, but that three game set between Toronto and New York is paramount in who's going to make it. It's also paramount on say New York sweeps Boston in their three game series. Then it's just a topsy turvy upside down, but. If I were to handicap it right now, I think it's going to be Toronto and Boston. What are your thoughts, Ken?
1: It's a, it's a crap shoot. I'm a, I'm a scared to say anything nice about the Jays because whenever we have, it's gone sideways. Whenever we've talked poorly about them, they've, they've shown us otherwise. So maybe I should just for that fact, pick someone other than the Jays, but that schedule is looking good. I mean, their fate is in their hands. Uh, after playing so well against the A's and the Yankees, they came out and, Laid a couple eggs against the Orioles right after where they lost a game and they were down quite handily in the second game of a doubleheader and blew it out in the seventh inning. If it wasn't for two
0: miraculous comebacks to salvage that series and to be brutally honest, probably salvage their season,
1: yeah, it didn't look good against the Orioles. So they need that redemption, they need to go in there into those games against Baltimore and absolutely hand it to them again. I don't think that should be too much of a problem. And yeah, that Yankee series I think will determine who gets one of two spots. Now yep, the, Yankee, the Yankees are playing Boston and Tampa. Tampa's clinched. So we'll see how they go into the, the final stretch of this season. Are they going to rest some people? Potentially that that is a winnable series for the Yankees.
0: Tampa is playing for home field advantage though. So I don't know that they're going to rest too many players Yeah, maybe on the final day.
1: Yeah. So it's going to be interesting. The Yankees definitely have a tougher. And I think, I still think it'll come down to that Yankee Yankees blue Jays series to determine who's too. in. And I do believe the Yankee or not the Yankees, the Jays hold the tiebreaker over them though. They do. For, they won the season series yeah, before do. the final three games. So that's a positive. It does come up tied, but it's exciting. It's very exciting. exciting time. So, I want uh, to toot my
0: own horn though a little bit. I went. I'm going to go back to about a month in time, and we were talking about the demise of the Blue Jays and the little glimmer of hope. And I said it on that show that their season was going to come down to the series against the Oakland Athletics and the New York Yankees. And wow, was I right? They ended up sweeping those seven games and making up essentially six games in the standings as a result. So. My my prognostication forecasting was spot on there. I'm predicting the Jays are gonna make the playoffs. So there, take it to the bank.
1: Yeah, I I I will agree with you on that because I think they do have they've shown a lot of steadiness in their uh play lately. And they have they've beaten the teams they need to beat. They aren't just beating the Baltimore Orioles of the world uh to get there. I mean. They're having to play some good teams, and they're they're doing it. So that's a uh, that's a positive sign. So I'll go with it right there with you. I say the Jays get in.
0: It's super exciting, though. I know I was I was speaking with the guys at the Pesky Report on Twitter the other day, and he was actually shocked that the Jays weren't already there and contending for first in the division. He goes, "Mad, you guys blew it," and uh, but it was fun to kind of banter with one of the other guys from uh, Belly Up Sports. And and just kind of talk some baseball, Jays and Red Sox. And this has been a tremendous race. Super excited and just glad that there's some meaningful baseball as a Blue Jays fan in September and October. I want to move on to something that's not as fun to talk about, but unfortunately it's still lingering. Jack Eichel. And I want to take this one a bit of a different route. It, It was announced Jack Eichel is going to report to Buffalo Sabres training camp. He hasn't been traded Jack Eichel's going to report fail his physical and Clo- or not Clovis Buffalo is going to strip him of the captaincy. He's going to go in into oblivion, hopefully for this year, get fixed up, get his surgery. I'm sick and tired that this whole saga is still going on where I want to take this is this whole saga is going to cost Jack Eichel. Most likely a chance to go to the Olympics. He was a shoe-in to make team USA at the Olympics. That's being taken away from him. And I want to believe it's mostly on the Buffalo Sabres. I, I believe it is from everything that I've read and watched. Shame on you, Buffalo. You're a young elite talent in the game. You are stealing his opportunity to represent Team USA at the Olympics. Now, as a Canadian fan, I'm not overly disappointed, but shame on you, Buffalo, that. He would have been there. Every player dreams of putting on the jersey of their country, representing their country on the biggest stage, which is the Olympics, best on best. I'm actually disappointed for Jack Eichel. I hope that he still can get there, but it's not looking good.
1: Well, I don't know. I think it's on both. I think both sides are being pretty petty about this. Jack Eichel doesn't want to be there. So just say you don't want to be there. I know he's fighting with them over what procedure he wants to get done. The team is saying this procedure needs to get done. Um, At a certain point, someone needs to step in, whether it's a third party arbitrator that looks at the case and other with other doctors and says, what is the best course of action? Because is Jack Eichel saying no to the sabers? because to their procedure they want him to have because he doesn't feel that their medical care is good enough, or is he doing it because he's trying to, and this is just pure speculation and I've no inside information, but is he trying to force something by saying, I don't want that. I want this. And they're going, well, our doctors are saying that that's not as good as this. Like there's gotta be some middle ground. Cause right now it's, you talk about missing the Olympics and taking away that opportunity. What is waiting to get this procedure done going to do to his quality of life post-hockey, take the rest of it away. What is it going to do if he continues to wait and sit and not do it? Is there potential for more damage to be done than doing this, right? Like him showing up to camp to fail his medical, just so that he can go on LTIR and get paid versus suspended and not paid for not showing up whatever you're it's not going to stick it to the Sabres one way or another because they're not going to get a $10 million cap hit from it. They're going to get relief. Not that they can sign anyone that'll go there, but all in all, you know, my feelings on Jack Eichel, there's a lot of hype. I don't think there's a lot of bang for the buck there. Um, other players have been in bad situations and, and such and have Sean, where he has been a very dim light in a corner. I, I just think that for the person, not the player, but the person, figure it out. Now, whether that's the NHLPA or the league needs to step in and say, you guys need to get your shit together and figure this out and get something done so that he can continue his career wherever it is. And Buffalo, either cut your losses and walk away, but end this I'm tired of hearing about the Jack Eichel is he going to get traded is he going to what's going to happen I don't care anymore I'm glad people aren't talking about it anymore because it's just so tiring it it really is
0: you brought up a really good point about his post NHL career and I do believe that Jack Eichel is making a little bit of some short-sighted decisions here where I think the operation or the, the procedure that he wants to get done would most likely allow him to play this year the procedure the Buffalo Sabres want him to get done would mean he couldn't play this year. And I think Eichel's looking at it a little bit short-sighted and well, if I can't play this year, I can't get out of here. You're right. But are you affecting your, your post NHL lifestyle? I think you very much are. Are you affecting your perceived value of a team trying to acquire you? Absolutely. You are. I actually think that's one of the reasons he hasn't been traded is the teams are kind of like, well, I'm not, I'm not going to pay the ultimate premium for a guy. I'm not going to get to play for me this year. So I think that Jack Eichel has caught with his short sightedness, has caused himself his own set of issues on top of this. That's not helping what the Buffalo Sabres have done.
1: Yeah. And I don't know. It's just nowadays, NHL teams have some of the top doctors and physicians working for them. This isn't the days of Eric Lindros and the Philadelphia Flyers anymore. But right like at a certain point in time someone needs to step in. Whether he gets this procedure that keeps him out all year, you're still not playing for the Buffalo Sabres, Jack. You're you're not having to deal with the shit show that is a Sabres lineup. Like I think it's just time to have the surgery and move on and deal with it next off season.
0: Maybe Eichel doesn't believe in the science. Oh, wait, that's a different conversation.
1: (laughs) That's a different thing, yeah.
0: That's a different conversation. I think we already had that one. Yeah. Well, I want to thankfully move on from Jack Eichel. And Ken, I really hope we don't have to talk about him again until he actually gets traded. I want to move on to some more NHL news that came out uh, recently. And this is about some restricted free agents. Uh, Kirill Kapusov signed with the Minnesota Wild at a five year, $9 million deal. There was a loud thud heard west of me and that was Jim Benning smashing his head on the wall going, oh shit, I'm screwed. Um, There's two major free agents in Vancouver, strict free agents. We're gonna get to those guys shortly that this contract does not help their cause at all. But I wanna quickly go back to the, the Kaprizov contract how the hell does a guy who's played fifty-two NHL games get nine million goddamn dollars? Uh, explain that to me. Sure, he he uh, he he tore it up this year. That's amazing. He's played like fifty-two games. Come on.
1: I'm I'm gonna say a name to you, Jeff Skinner. Very much so, right? Like, and I'm not comparing Kaprizov to Skinner. I'm comparing the contracts now even when Brian Burke was a Vancouver Canucks general manager and stuff like that, I always didn't agree with what he said, but he talked about how the disappearance of the second contract and guys coming out of their entry-level deals into like a third or fourth type of contract is handcuffing the league a little bit. I'll kind of paraphrase, you know, taking what he said, because he said this a while ago, But Jeff Skinner is a perfect example of that. A guy coming out of early success, getting $9 million a season for a very long time from the Sabres after what he did in Carolina and hasn't produced since. He's living easy street, making $9 million to not really do much of anything. And I think that's the problem with these RFA second deals is that guys are getting paid so much for such a limited uh, sample size. You look at Drew Dowdy, Doughty. Drew Dowdy's getting paid what he's getting paid right now because of what he did.
0: Yeah, at least he had won a couple Stanley Cops.
1: He is getting back paid. But now you look at these second year deals and they're all just getting massive money for a very small sample size. I even take like Kale McCarr got paid, but he's only been in the league a couple of years. He's making eight million dollars, right now. He's a good defenseman. He's put up two good seasons, but if that falls off, you're still paying him eight million dollars regardless, right? Like these second year deals or second deals are handcuffing some teams.
0: Well, shortly after the loud f bomb was heard west of Alberta, coming from. Uh, the Jim Benning household in Vancouver. There was also significant cheers that could be heard all the way across the Rocky mountains, which was clearly coming from the Hughes and Pedersen households, Quinn Hughes, Elias Pedersen. And you know what? I'm actually going to throw Brady Kachuk in here in Ottawa. These guys are love that contract. Cause I'm sorry. Elias Pedersen is significantly better and more proven than Kirill Kaprizov. Quinn Hughes, I would have to believe, is also probably better than Kirill Kaprasov. They're going to get paid. Oh, wait, no, they're not. The Vancouver Canucks don't have cap space. They have roughly $13, $14 million in cap space to two guys who with this contract could have nines at the front of them. Ken, what are your Vancouver Canucks going to do?
1: Yeah, that's a hell of a question. Um, Well, they're going to assign Alex Chase on to a PTO. That's what they're going to do, what they did. I don't know, but I think this is where I go with it. Is Pedersen – Pedersen has much more NHL experience than Kaprizov. Yes. And I think this is is where I kind of go, like, is he really the example that they were going to go off of? I mean, what they have in common is they're both called their trophy winners. Right, but Pederson has more NHL experience. Hughes, I think, will go along the lines of Makar. I think that's the the the
0: that's still an eight. The measuring
1: stick, it is. I think they're going to have to potentially look at bridging and maybe even a one year deal for one of these guys at at a price because Luongo's recapture money comes off the books after this season coming up. They got one more year left of that, so they have that they do have for and Holt beyond the books for the season after in a bio, but you're going to have guys leaving that you can then pay. Potentially the Canucks are going to have to make a move. And is it going to be a guy like Tyler Myers who suffers to be able to bring back those guys at the price and term that they should respectively get. And that is a very possibility very big possibility that a guy like Myers gets moved. That's a $6 million deal you need to free up. Maybe you got to hang on to a million of that, but if you do, you're now in the upwards of closer to 20 million and you can make it work. But
0: the reason the one-year deal doesn't work is named Patrick Line. Patrick Line signed a one-year deal this off season and he's at 7.5 million. Again, Elias Pettersson's better player. Elias Pettersson on a one-year deal is going to be north of seven and a half million, starting with an eight. The Canucks, I don't know, they're in a world of trouble here. And if the Vancouver Canucks start talking one-year deal as well with either of these guys, does then they start looking for an offer sheet? Do they start going to other teams and going, hey, Nashville, you got cap space? You interested? Seven. Seven year, 10 million. I floated this jokingly to you the other day where I go, What's stopping a team for, well, other four first round picks, but what's stopping a team like Nashville who has cap space and going, Okay, well, I'm going to offer sheet Quinn Hughes to seven by 10, seven years, 10 million, Canucks match. And then right after that, offer sheeting Elias Pettersson, the same and the Canucks can't match. I honestly really, really think. Benning has painted himself into a, a, a major corner here and I do not know how they're going to get out of it. And I'm, I'm fascinated to see how this plays out. I actually really, as a Calgary Flames fan, I actually really like Quinn Hughes and Elias Pettersson. They're really good players and they deserve to get paid. And Vancouver has done a very poor job leading up to them, those two guys needing to get paid, saving cap room for them. And I'm worried that it might leave a bad taste in their mouth and something might happen that Canucks fans aren't going to like.
1: Yeah. I, I look at what Benning did this off season. I have no issue with it. I thought he did well to get the depth in, in place, but an NHL GM, you're, you're in a no win situation because if you build your depth, like Jim Benning, Jim Benning did to improve the team overall, which is what, The players wanted. It's what the fans wanted. It's what the ownership wanted. They wanted a better team. And on paper, this team is better than they were last year. They've got to put it together on the ice. That's a completely different thing. That's something we can talk about in two, three weeks after camps in in underway. And we've seen some preseason games. The Canucks on paper are a better team, but on that paper, it includes Elias Patterson and Quinn Hughes. This is where, and I'm not saying they shouldn't get paid, but this is where that monster second contract comes in that causes some of these problems, where Kaprizov with 52 games experience is now pulling, what was it, $9 million?
0: Slightly less than Darnell Nurse. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, I had
1: to. But at least Darnell Nurse has a lot better, bigger NHL resume. He didn't play four years in the KHL, Uh, essentially Kaprizov is getting paid for KHL service. Really, right? His entry-level contract was 52 games. I don't know what's going to happen. I I could definitely see a trade, but they got to figure it out. And camp opens tomorrow, I believe, and we'll have to see what it looks like and how far this goes because Ferland's money is going to come off the books, but what happens after that, we're not sure yet.
0: Yeah, I'm absolutely fascinated with what's going to happen in Vancouver. I'm fascinated also with the the Brady Kachuk contract. Apparently the teams offered him an eight year, $8 million deal and that wasn't good enough for him. And, And I'm kind of like, wow, what is it's the Brady Kachuk one is that screams wanting out of there. I'm interested to see how that one plays out. And I'm sure he looked at that contract and, uh, the Kachuk household in St. Louis and Ottawa and probably Calgary were cheering very loudly as well. So there's some big names left unsigned with some restricted free agents that I think there's some of these guys might not be in the lineup on opening night. I think it's getting to that point.
1: This isn't new though. It usually, no, it's not, it, it happens every year, but the, the number of big names, young, good names it's a lot bigger this year for guys who are unsigned. So
0: and that's because of the flat cap of the last two seasons. Like yeah. before you could at least kind of think the cap was going to go up. No, it's stagnant and it's going to be stagnant for at least one or two more years. Well, it's that's going to why they talk- these, contact, these contracts are going to be a little harder to get done.
1: I think they talked about an extra million next year, but I also think that the players and the teams need to look at this. Everything that was signed prior to this off season and last off season was in the mind that the cap was going to jump dramatically because of the new US TV deal. Now that didn't happen. So I think there's got to be give and take on both sides. It can't just be the teams going, Nope, we're not going to pay you or the players going pay me, pay me, pay me, pay me. It needs to be okay. Look, we're in a situation here for another two years. So why don't we bridge this deal with a six and a half, million dollar deal over two years and we'll look at what the cap looks like then
0: i wonder how many other fans just recorded that and sent it to ken holland yeah
1: <laughs> there's there's got to be some give and take here because this isn't a league or team driven reason that the salary cap is flat the yeah. league did not mismanage nor did the teams mismanage the money to create a poor NHL economy where the the cap isn't moving. This is because of the pandemic and concessions, I think need to be given on both sides.
0: Ken, before we call it a night on this, or call it an episode, there's one more topic I really want to touch on. I got to go back to baseball on this. And I think one of the biggest disappointments, I think both you and I would both agree with this in Major League Baseball this year. And I'm speaking of the San Diego Padres. Padres appear to going to be missing the playoffs this season. I'll give it to them. They play in a very good division. Who knew San Francisco was going to be ahead of the Dodgers? But with all the money that the Padres spent this offseason and all the hope surrounding them, both you and I were, we did an episode on who's going to win, the Dodgers or the Padres. Well, neither of us said the Giants and it definitely ain't going to be the Padres. No. I got to admit, I'm I've been very underwhelmed by the San Diego Padres this year. I don't know where it went off the rails, but now, like you just said, it's starting to boil over in the clubhouse. Ken, did you want to touch on that at all?
1: Yeah. So the Padres spent, oh, what? $600 million over uh, Machado and Tatis over the last couple of years. They're two games that, that, that amount of money has got them two games over 500 right now, five back in the wild card. Cincinnati is four games. Uh, Philly is four and a half and St. Louis is trailing 15 and a half to the Dodgers. So the Dodgers are in the giants are in and the Padres are not. And it's
0: 20 and a half games behind the Dodgers.
1: Yeah. Well, they, it happened. You said the clubhouse, it happened in the dugout where Manny Machado and Fernando Tatis had to be separated a little bit because I think Machado took a little bit of uh took, took a personally, and got angry over the fact that Tatis is out there more on an individual type travelings and trying to get the uh, uh NL MVP versus trying to make the playoffs. And they had a little heated exchange. And uh, of course, afterwards, they did a press conference together and said, you know, things get heated. We're all trying to win. We, you know, we're brother. He's like my little brother. It was over with, but, Yeah, it's very underwhelming because this team, it should be the Dodgers and the Padres in the situation that the Giants and the Dodgers are in right now.
0: Off the top of my head, I can't think of a bigger disappointment in Major League Baseball than San Diego this year.
1: Oh, you know what it shows? It shows that a big, high-priced payroll doesn't get you a championship. It doesn't even get you into the playoffs, apparently. So, yeah, Padres, are you kidding me? You guys... Big disappointment this year, but that's our show for this week. Let us know what you thought. Hit up Trevor on Twitter at the BleacherCon one or myself at the BleacherCon to BleacherCon two. Let us know what you thought about what we covered. We it was a real hodgepodge uh, episode this week. So uh not gonna lie, trying to get back into it after vacation. It's it's been a while. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's it for this week. That's our show. We want to thank everyone for tuning in. Don't forget you can catch us. Mondays, noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern, unhingedsn.airtime.pro. Replays throughout the week. Check out all the shows on the network and Belly Up. I want to thank everyone for tuning in. Thanks,
0: everyone.